It is my privilege to invite you to today's sermon podcast. I have made the Apostle Paul's prayer request my own. When he states in Ephesians six nineteen, pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, the words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. May today's sermon come alive to you and aid you in your understanding of God's plan for your life. You know, we, we spent the last month in the book of Revelation, and uh, we have read it together, and uh, it's been a blessing in my life. I am so grateful we, we got to do that together. Um, uh, and this morning, I, I want to I kind of go to what happened before the book of Revelation was written. Um, I want to go to the book of Matthew. Now, uh, that being said, uh, uh, Matthew, he comes to Jesus, uh, and, and he becomes a follower of Jesus, and then he writes his book, and, and he, gives, he connects Jesus to Old Testament prophecies. And, and we're going to read from a couple different passages, but uh, when I think about the book of Revelation uh, and how that wraps up, the last chapter of the last book of the Bible... Um, it reminds me of a little boy who, who, well, he was seven or eight, and his, his mom and dad sends him to bed, and he goes to bed. And about a half an hour later, when he was supposed to be sleeping, uh, they're going to bed. They hear laughing coming out of his bedroom. So they went over, and they knocked on the door, and, hey, son, what's going on in there? They opened up, went in the dad. What, what are you laughing about? Well, he, he had the lights off, but you know how kids do. He had his knees, and he had a tent underneath the blankets with his flashlight on, and he was reading what are you doing under the blankets? He said, well, I'm reading the Bible. They had given him a child's Bible a few years, and he loved reading that Bible. He said, I'm reading the Bible. What are you, what's so funny? Well, I'm reading the book of Revelation, Dad. Well, what, what's so funny about it? Well, he said, I've read the last chapter, and I know how it's going to end. <laughs> Jesus wins. Yeah. So that's how, that's how we celebrate Christmas. In fact, that's how we celebrate the new year. We don't know what's coming in the new year. But we know one thing for sure, don't we? We know when everything's said and done, Jesus wins. Amen. And that's the good hope for us today. Because we all face stuff, don't we? Anybody here face stuff? Yeah, we do. And, we, and like Dave's already said, I want to know that, uh, that, I, that uh, God's on my side. Well, we also want to know that uh, we're on God's side. Amen? So we stay on God's side and it's going to be okay. He's going to take us through. So now we're going to read a couple passages. We're going to read from uh, Matthew chapter 9, starting first of all, and uh, starting in verse 9. So chapter 9, verse 9. And then we're going to go to the first chapter and, uh, and just have a little fun of the Word of God. So would you stand as we read the Word of God this morning? And I want to encourage you this morning about two words that if you will take them seriously, they will change your life. Matthew 9, verse 9. Now, Jesus went on from there. He saw a man named Matthew. He's sitting at a tax collector's booth. (laughs) Oh, man, I'd like to play with that for a moment. Aren't you glad for taxes? Amen. Jesus simply told him, follow me. And Matthew got up and followed him. Well, now Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. And there were many tax collectors and sinners, by the way. Who came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees, the religious leaders saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Which, of course, they they put them both the same as one, right? 
On hearing this, Jesus said, well, and I love this. You know, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Don't you love that one? It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And again, I love this phrase. For I have not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call the sinners. Aren't you glad Jesus came to call sinners? Because I are one saved by grace. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Jesus came not to call those who thought they were too good for him. (laughs) They apparently don't need him. But when you know who you are, you look in the mirror every day. You know, you get up and say, boy, I wish I had hair like that. (laughs) And then you say, Lord, I know who I am. And so do you. Thanks, Jesus, that you love sinners. Saved by grace. Wow. Wow. I love that story. Now, Matthew, he gets saved. He follows Jesus, and he's got to write a book, right? So we're going to read. Now, this is not going to be fun. I, gotta, I just got to tell you, it's not going to be fun. I'll do it the best I can. But we're going to read the first 16 verses of, uh, or 17 verses of chapter 1. Are you ready to go? All right. I'm going to do this as fast as I can so you don't fall asleep. Okay. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So, you know, we're getting ready here to read a genealogy, right? Everybody said hallelujah. Amen. All right, here we go. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob. Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah the father of Perez, Zerah, and whose mother was Tamar. Perez the father of Hezron. Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Abinadad. Abinadad the father of Nashom. Nashim, the father of Solomon. Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. How am I doing? You still with me? Yep. All right, here we go. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jeroam. Jeroram. And the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. Ammon, the father of Josiah. Josiah, the father of Jeconiah. And his brothers at the time of the exile to the Babylon. After the exile out to Babylon, Jeconiah, the father of Sheatiel, Sheatiel, the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, easy for you to say, the father of Abadud, Abadud, the father of Eliakim, Eliakim, the father of Azor, Azor, the father of Zadok, Zadok, the father of Achim, Achim, the father of Eliud, Eliud, the father of Eliezer, Eliezer, the father of Mathan, Mathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, and the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Got through it. Amen? Well, we got a couple more here. Thus, there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David and 14 from David to the exile to Babylon and 14 from the exile to Christ. Wow. Now, Lord, what do you got to say to us uh, this morning, this last morning of uh, 2023? Uh, Lord, we don't want to hear just another sermon. We don't need just another meal. So, Lord, we need your help. We, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would encourage us, hide the messenger behind the cross, speak plainly into our hearts. And, Lord, we'll give you glory 
As we know, Jesus, you always are willing to work in our life if we just let you. So, my friend, I don't know, you don't have to do this this morning, but maybe you'd just like to say, God, uh, whatever it is you want to say to me this morning, I'm ready to listen. You want to tell God that? I mean, like I said, you don't have to, but tell him. God, I'm ready to listen. And, 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 and you don't have to, but say, God, if you ask me to do something, I'm, I'm, really, I'm, I'm ready to, I'm just ready to, to listen to your word and to be a doer of the word. Pray that if you want to. And Lord, because um, I know that you have me as your best interest at heart. And now, Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Well, what a way to start a book, huh? 42 generations, <laughs> three sets of 14, so they can be easily memorized. Anybody have all this memorized? Well, if you were an Old Testament uh, scholar, as you know, uh, you would have to have all five books of the books of the Law of Moses memorized. So I don't know why we New Testament Christians uh, wouldn't have Matthew memorized, but there it is. Uh, apparently, uh, Matthew never uh, went to a Journalism 101, uh, never did a TED Talk seminar, I guess. You know what TED Talks are? Uh, he didn't have those advantages. Uh, apparently, he didn't know. You know, every, every speech or every message, every, it ought, every article ought to have a, a dripping, uh, some kind of a grabbing introduction and a solid conclusion. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Well, you missed your point on that one because I'm preaching and it's not my fault now. But not Matthew. He doesn't have time for all this frilly stuff. He just goes right for the juggler. No wasting time. He's going to tell you how it is. And he goes all the way back to Abraham and he starts this genealogy of Jesus. Kind of reminds me. No frills. You know, did you ever watch in the 60s and the 70s? You ever watch that, uh, that of course, it was all black and white in those days, Dragnet? Yeah. A couple of cops. What? I, Mr. Something or other Friday. Yeah, huh? Joe Friday and what was it? Just Officer Gannon or something. And whenever they'd show up to, a, to the scene of whatever and get information, people would rattle on. And I think it was the Gannon guy. He'd go, uh, you know the phrase? Just the facts, ma'am. Right? How many remember that one, huh? Just the facts, ma'am. <laughs> Come on, some of you young bucks don't even know what I'm talking about. You need to get on your YouTuber and figure it out when I'm preaching. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, now it helps to remember this. Who was Matthew when Jesus called him? Matthew was a Jew. Now they're talking back at me. See what happens? Matthew was a Jew. And, and he was also a tax collector, which was equal to a Jewish sinner. And not only was he a Jew, but he, he was, in his book, he had a passion for Jews. And so he's writing to Jews. And I find this interesting. He's a Jew writing to Jews about a Jew. Because Jesus was a Jew. Don't forget that. Our roots of Christianity find themselves in Judaism. Has a lot to teach us. And, and even at my ripe old age, I'm, I'm still learning to appreciate that even more so as I grow older and I read the word. So here he is, a Jew, writing to Jews about a Jew. And one thing we know about Jews in the first century it was that they had been waiting a long time for a promised Messiah. 
They knew the word of God. Every Jewish boy had memorized the law of Moses. They had it down pat. Don't mess with them when it comes to Bible quizzing. They they, They will toast you for sure. So they knew a Messiah was coming. And this Messiah, what they knew about this Messiah is he had to be a pure breed. He had to be a... A pure Jew from the line of David without any spot or blemish, no wrinkle, just like the lambs that were sacrificed in the days of King Solomon. So this Messiah, very important, he was purebred. So for the Jew, I mean, for the Hebrew, it's all about pedigree. You know what I'm talking about? Pedigree. You got your papers with you? Oh, so you want to be a pastor out here, do you? Let's see your pedigree. <laughs> Going to check your papers. See if you're the real deal. That's, that's who the, the Jew was because pedigree was everything. Now, some of you folks that are like me, you're a Heinz 57 variety. You may not appreciate this. But when I married 48 years ago, I married into a, well, you might say a pure-breeded Swede family. Uh, no foreign blood in these, these folks. Swedes. I still remember Linda's dad, you know, six foot four, I think he was, big football player. Uh, I, I was his youth pastor. That's how I stole his daughter, you know. <laughs> hey, look, look, pastor over there, and I take his daughter, right? Okay. It's a good deal for me, a win win. But, but I still remember Linda's dad. His name was Gus. We called him Gus. He would say, ah, oh, you know, you, you can always tell a Swede, but. You can't tell them much. <laughs> so here, my wife, she, she really blew it. A pure blood Swede marries a Heinz 57 variety. Uh, you know, it's all about pedigree. And now all of our kids, who knows what they are, but I, I tell you what, they probably got some Scottish in them, some English in them, they got some uh, Irish in them. But who knows? They even said that, you know, I got a little bit of. Uh, North American Indian in my blood. So, I was just kind of waiting for someone to say how out there, but they didn't, so I'll, <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just move on. So, uh, you know, um, uh, William Barclay, some of you re- recognize his name. William Barclay, uh, he was a very popular uh, Scottish uh, preacher. Uh, he was also a professor at Glasgow. Uh, he was kind of professor of biblical criticism and, and professor of divinity. Um, he, he made a statement about the, the Jews in Jesus' time. He says, a man lost his right to be called a Jew or a member of the people of God if his lineage showed the slightest speck of foreign blood. Pedigree was everything. Now, just in case you're not relating to what I'm saying this morning, how many have a pedigreed dog at home? Huh? Come on. You got to see that hand there. Any, any pedigreed cats? I'm going to be praying for you. Pedigreed <laughs> cats. My wife's always had pedigreed cats. <laughs> any, any pedigreed horses? Huh? I got to see that hand. Llamas? Any llamas? In fact, we got a pedigreed dog with us this morning. I think he's, he became a Christian. The reason I know he became a Christian is because his name was Goliath. His owner's name is David. So David and Goliath are in church. David, where are you? Can you just stand up? You got Goliath with you? Stand up, show us Goliath. Here's, a, here's what a pedigree 
pug looks like. This is a pedigree pug. Might even get an amen out of him if he's right. <laughs> Welcome to church, Goliath. David and Goliath. If you haven't met David, meet David. He's from Washington. We'll forgive him for that. And his dad uh, has moved here and is building a house just down the road here. Uh, Michael Liss. Mike, put your, put your hand up there, buddy. God bless you, man. Thanks for letting me pick on you guys a little this morning. Now I suppose I, 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 I owe you a coffee or a breakfast or something like that. You've got to have papers, you know. If you don't, you, you don't count. Pedigree. It's all about pedigree. And furthermore, I mean, another thing you probably need to know is no Jew in his official credentialed statement, his genealogy, no, no Jew would ever include a Gentile or a slave or a woman. They, they had no rights. Uh, they were kind of like uh, second-class citizens. Uh, they weren't worthy. Now, now, don't kill the messenger. I'm just telling you the way it was. I don't believe that today. But the reality is that's, that's what Jews thought. And, and what amazes me is right here in the middle of the Messiah's genealogy where pedigree matters the most. Don't you know the Messiah's genealogy needs to be checked out before you write it down? And you better make sure that everybody has the right papers. <laughs> but you know what you find here in this genealogy? You find not one, not two or three or four. You find five women. Remember William Barclay. No, no Jew is going to add a Gentile, which would be anybody that's not a Jew, which would include me. Any Jews here this morning? Looks, have we got one Jew? Are you raising? Oh, no, he's putting the, the numbers up there. Okay. Sorry, I thought John raised his hand as being a Jew, but he's not a Jew. He's a Gentile. You're just like me, buddy. You got no pedigree. All right? Don't have your papers. <laughs> Here's these five women. And remember Matthew's purpose. His purpose is to prove to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah, the answer to the prophecies. And when you look at, when you look at his, his, what he writes, he's very methodical because it's, he's a tax collector. He's got all of his ducks in a row, the way he writes. It, he, he quotes the Old Testament more than 40 times, connecting the prophecies to Jesus of Nazareth, pedigree. No less than 10 times. I mean, 10 times he uses this little phrase to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. He's telling the Jews, listen, I'm going to prove to you that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the long-awaited one. 31 times he uses the phrase, kingdom of heaven. Do you know how many times you find that phrase in the rest of the Gospels? Zero. What he's saying is the kingdom has come. There's a new kingdom. Something's going on here that's unique. Jesus is king. He's Messiah. He's bringing in. He's ushering in a new kingdom. That's what Matthew is doing. So now five women. So let's take a minute. How much time do I got? 37 after. Okay. We're doing good. Five women. Because I got to what? 1230? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Something like that. Okay. Uh, and, and we can understand. One of those is Mary, right? 
Mary, the mother of Jesus. So we get that one. Uh, okay, but the others. You gotta, you gotta wonder why are they, why are they here? Why has Matthew included these people that no other Jew would? Something's going on here, in my opinion. So the first one, I mean, look at verse three. The first one is, is Tamar. You remember Tamar? I mean, her story. You'll find it. You might want to write this down. You go home and read it. Is in Genesis chapter thirty-eight. That's where you're going to find the story of Tamar. She was birthed uh, to a Canaanite woman, um, to a Canaanite mother. Uh, she married a guy by the name of Ur, E-R. Ur was so wicked, God puts him to death. He just kills him. He's a wicked guy. Uh, you'll find that in verse 7, I think, of Genesis 38. And then he marries his, his brother. She marries his brother, Onan. Uh, because in those days, it was kind of what you do. If the brother dies, you marry the next one down the road. And so he, she marries a brother. That's the brother's responsibility. Well, he too was just as wicked. God kills him. So two down, uh, what is it, uh, two strikes and you're up? No, three strikes. Okay, there's one boy left. His name is Sheila. And Sheila's a little too young. I think dad's catching on. Son number one dead. Son number two dead. I don't think I'm going to risk son number three. So he sends, he sends Tamar off to her own family. Away she goes. And as we read her story... Um, uh, it doesn't get any better. It seems as though uh, she's tired of waiting. She finds out that Judah, Sheila's, Sheila's brother, is on his, his way to her in the neck of the woods. So she goes out and pretends she's a temple prostitute. And you got to do the cultural thing here. I'm, I'm missing a lot of stuff because I don't have time to... Lay, that's what I'm telling you. You got the chapter. You go home and read it. Do a little studying, but you'll figure it out. But she winds up seducing Sheila's father, winds up getting pregnant. She goes into harlotry, in, in, in other words. And you've got to ask yourself. I mean, it get, the story gets uglier. I just, it's, it's too ugly to go on on a Sunday morning on, on the last Sunday of the morning. You know what I'm talking about? The last Sunday of the year. We'll say that for another time. It just doesn't get any better. But here she is. Suffice it to say, in all her glory, the very beginning of Jesus, the Messiah, his own genealogy. Now, now the next one, I mean, verse, verse 5, it, it introduces the second woman, and Matthew records her name is Rahab. Now, Rahab's story is found in Joshua chapter 1. And, and you remember Rahab. I mean, the Israelites, spies, they went into Jericho. Joshua sends them into Jericho. They're going to take the land. And they're there to check out what's going on, figure out they can, how, you know, the fortified city, how to take it. And they wind up at Rahab's place of business. That's the only way you can put it. Verse 2 of chapter 2, it says, um, they arrived or they entered at the house of a prostitute named Rahab. Now, we might want to ask the question, what's two fine, upstanding young men doing at a house like this. We, we don't really know. But anyway, we, we got some idea. And, and, and now, um, it, it just, well, you got to know that some, some scholars have tried to make Rab, Rahab into some sort of uh, holy innkeeper instead of the woman who ran an establishment of uh, El Repute. 
Did you know this was in the Bible? Yes, here it is. Well, Rahab, when she discovers what's going down, she kind of cuts a deal in order to save her own family. And if you've ever read the story, I mean, it's right there in verse 17. Uh, She's to mark her window with a scarlet cord, a red cord, and so her family will be saved when, when God takes over the place. Crazy story. But there it is in plain sight. There's a sign that has been passed down now for centuries. This red sign in a harness window. And again, I mean, some have tried to explain the, the red cord in some kind of a redemptive way, obscure symbol of redemption. But, but, but I, I believe probably more than likely it is what it says it is. Um, that we're seeing the origin of the first red light district in of ancient antiquity. Kind of like a modern day Amsterdam. Right here. And you got to ask yourself, Rahab? Matthew included? Rahab? Well, the third woman listed in Jesus' line is, well, it's a favorite to many of us. Um, you, you know her well. Believers love this woman called Ruth. And and it's the same verse as Rahab, verse 5. And uh, it's kind of a a beautiful story, the story of Ruth, a a book named after the woman. Um, Some believe it's the most beautiful love story in the entire Old Testament. Beautiful, touching, moving. But think of it this way now, just for a moment. Uh, Like Rahab, Ruth, was a Gentile. She was not a Hebrew. She wasn't a Jew. So you've got to ask yourself, what's she doing here in the first place? Secondly, just telling you like it is, she's, the, she, she's, she's a Gentile of the worst sort. She's a Moabite. And you remember the Moabites. She's a, she's a Moabitess, you might say. And their ugly story, you'll find also in Genesis in chapter 19. And, and so, here's the Moabites. I mean, after God, story goes after God kind of spares them from destruction from Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot and his two daughters, they kind of wind up homeless. They're living in a cave. And the story's not fun to talk about, but we find that both now are found to be impregnated by a drunken father. It's, it's pretty... Ugly, But one thing I found out about the scripture, the scripture never tries to hide the truth and the reality of what's going on in people's lives. It's just, it is what it is. And you got to give the Bible credit for that. Man, if I were writing it, I'd probably say, don't put that in there, don't put that in there, don't put that in there. People will wonder what's going on. How do we explain it? How will pastors ever preach about it? But here she is. And so now we have the incestuous beginning, of course, of the Moabites and the Ammonites. But by the way, I don't know if any of you have been there, but uh, numerous times I've traveled down that hot, dusty highway from Amman, Jordan, all the way down to Petra, and you go through those, the lands, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Jebusites. I'm sure I saw some termites there, too. I'm sure they were there. <laughs> and, and, and so you're in this, this amazing area. But, but the thing about the Moabites, you need to know, is they were despised by the Jews. I mean, the Jews, if a Jew ever came across a Moabite, they would hiss through their teeth. It's, 
Kind of like, you know, you and I roll our eyes, right? Right? You roll your eyes. When as a pastor, we, we always have to have a lot of fun. I love building relationships with staff. And, and we would never allow the rolling of eyes. And if anybody ever rolled their eyes, everybody goes, did you see? She, she just rolled her eyes. And we'd have a lot of fun with that. Well, in the, with, with, with the Jews, if they'd say a, they, a Moabite, they wouldn't roll their eyes. They would, they would hiss through their teeth. And then they'd spit in the direction of the Moabite. Just, they'd spit toward them. Disdain, you would say. They, they couldn't stand the Moabites. And according to Deuteronomy 23, I mean, if you were a Moabitess, you were not even allowed to enter the assembly of the Lord. You just weren't, you weren't good enough. You were not worthy. You were a second-class citizen. So here stands Ruth. Wonderful love story. We love her dearly. She's a Moabitess. And where do we find her? In Jesus' pedigreed statement. Um, well, the, the last one I want to mention is, is well, you, know, you all know. If you know any of these, you'll know Bathsheba, right? Uh, second, what is it? Second Samuel chapter 11, 12, 13. That's where the story starts. And Bathsheba is known for, well, she's the wife of Uriah the Hittite and and David, while Uriah is off to battle, where David as king should have been with his men, he wasn't where he was supposed to be in the first place, which gets a lot of guys in trouble. You want me to preach about that for half an hour? All right, we'll just pass that for a moment. David should have been there, but he's not. He, he sees Bathsheba bathing, and he lusts after her, and they wind up having an illicit affair. She becomes pregnant. And it, and it all winds up by murdering Uriah. Terrible story. And boy, did ever, Dave ever, David ever pay for that one. Amen? Yep. I mean, it caught up with him like sin always does. Can't run from sin. So we know about Bathsheba. So, so let's kind of wrap this thing up. I mean, here they all are, lock, stock, and barrel. Nothing hidden. <laughs> there for the whole world to see. In Jesus' family tree. You just shake a little bit and out pops these five women. And you got to ask yourself the question, what was God thinking? What was Matthew thinking? I mean, he was a Jew. He knew better. He, he, he knew this wasn't good news. But apparently, if we believe this is God's anointed, inspired, inerrant word, it's here for a purpose. And, uh, well, okay, I'm going to tell you what I think. You know, you knew that was coming, right? <laughs> Here's what I think. I'm going to give you two or three reasons what I think. I think, well, first of all, I think Matthew saw this very clearly, that Jesus, the Messiah, was, he was introducing a brand new day. This is a brand new kingdom. Hey, things are changing. Have you ever read somebody move my cheese? Well, here it is. The cheese is being moved. Change has happened rapidly. All the laws, regulations, rules, 600 and some odd ones of the Jews. Oh, Jesus, look, the Sermon on the Mount takes everything that we've been taught and turns it upside down. Love your enemies. Go the second mile. 
Bless those who curse you. Nobody had ever heard this. It was always an eye for an eye. Jesus, he's got a different kind of kingdom. By the way, 31 times the kingdom of heaven. And and in his kingdom, one of the things that, that was radically changed immediately was how we were to perceive each other, especially women and children, who in Jesus' day was always the second class person. Remember when Jesus said, "Uh, guys, uh, quit messing around with the kids. These are my kids. And unless you become like a child, you can't even go to heaven. So Jesus said, King James was something like, suffer the little children to come unto me for such as the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Look at if there was ever a champion on the face of the earth for women and children, it was Jesus. If he was here on the face of the earth, I'll tell you what, he would hit, he would hit all the crumola we see going on today on these things, on the computers, uh, everything that we know going. I'll tell you what, he would, he would have smashed that island that someone was messing around here a few years ago with all these dignitaries. Jesus would not put up with that stuff. He's a champion for children and a champion for women. So the barrier, the barrier that, that divided men and women, it's, it's down. It is, it's, it's abolished. It's gone. In fact, Paul picks this up. But let me, let me tell you how he picks it up in a minute. The second thing, I, I think, is the barrier between Jew and Gentile. So now there is this... You and I, as Gentiles, have been included in into God's kingdom, into the kingdom of Jesus. Uh, Ephesians plays with this so well. When he talks about he, he destroyed the barrier between the Jew and the Gentile, he has made them both, and he has become our peace. Jesus is our peace now. And even though you're a Gentile, God counts you as much as a daughter and a son as any Jew ever was. And, and now you've you got to know it's never been about race. It's about grace. Yes, so I, I got to chuckle. I might get in trouble for this, but I know black lives matter. But I'll tell you what, in the kingdom of God, color don't make one iota of a difference. God loves every person. We used to sing, it's not so politically correct anymore. Red or yellow, black and white, he, all are precious in his sight. Hallelujah. That's the gospel truth. And I'll tell you what, when I look at the kids my children have adopted, I say, thank you, Lord. Lynn and I have been growing in our own faith and learning how to love little kids that have to comb their hair differently than I do. Well, that's not saying a whole lot, but you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the barrier. It's, it's not about race. It's about grace. It doesn't matter. Oh, you're a Moabite. <laughs> Come on in. You're a Canaanite. Oh, you believe in Jesus? Come on in. You're a termite. Come on in. Doesn't matter what kind of ite you are. In this genealogy, Jesus says, hey, y'all come now. Y'all come. Huh? And if he's in the south, he'll say, y'all, y'all come. Right? Just come. Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. I'm the Messiah. I'm King Jesus. I've come to bring you life. Wow. I'd say that's pretty good stuff on the last Sunday and beginning a new year. Well, thirdly, I'm just about through. Um, 
I think since Jesus claimed uh, as his own these, these four, I, I want to say notorious, infamous, whatever, women, women that should not be there, not on the sly, not on the down low, but out in public so all could see in his genealogy. There's, no, there's absolutely no reason to think that God would not include you and me. Hallelujah for that one. Hallelujah for that one. Matthew, he just threw it all out there and he said, I'm going for the juggler. If they can't see it here, they'll never see it. That God is not a respecter of persons. He loves us all the same. And you remember how Paul picked up on this. Paul picked it up and he said, listen, God is no respecter of persons. He said, he said um, there's no division between Jew or Gentile, slave nor free, male or female. We're all one in Christ Jesus. God doesn't see any distinction. Now I close with this idea. We read Matthew 9, chapter 9, verse 9, where we find these two words that will change our lives. Jesus, he finds Matthew with all these tax collectors. He's at a tax collector booth. And he looks at Matthew and says, Matthew, follow me. Two words, follow me. And, and immediately, the scripture says, immediately, Matthew got up and followed Jesus. You know, every, every sermon ought to have a so what. <laughs> what difference does this one make in my life? So what? Big deal, Pastor. Well, I'll tell you what the big deal is. Get up and follow him. That's the big deal. If you're not following him, it's time to start. You better get on board because, you know, as the last book of Revelation says, sooner or later Jesus is coming. And when he comes, it could be too late for you unless you follow him. What are you waiting for? I mean, what is it would keep you from following Jesus today? Could be pride. I think pride's going to send more people to hell than anything else. Keeps us from confessing and being open and honest with one another. Could be something else. You know, if you don't, God does. And he'll show you. So what's keeping you from following him? I say follow him. If you're listening today by live stream... Get up and follow him. Go and follow him. And you, you can bet this. He'll never leave you astray. He will never forsake you. He will be more faithful to you too than anything else in the world. You know why? Because he is who he is. He says he is. He's Emmanuel, God with us. Christ has come. Amen. Let's follow him. Amen. Amen. Lord, we love you. We thank you. There is none like you, just like we sang this morning. That's why there's something about your name. Because you are God with us. You are Jesus, the one who will save his people from their sins. And Lord, we don't come to you crawling as righteous people. We come to you as men and women who know we need a Savior. And we ask God that you would come into our lives in a brand new way today. May 2024 be the best year we've ever seen because God... We know you walk with us every step of the way. And Lord, wherever you take us, we'll follow you. Follow, follow, I will follow Jesus. Anywhere, everywhere. I will follow him. Yeah. My friend, if you're not following him, I want to give you an opportunity. Say, Lord, um, it's the end of 2023, the beginning of 2024. I want to follow you. Just, just tell them, Lord, I, I want to follow you. From this moment on, 
Lord, I'll follow you. Come into my life. Be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I repent. I will follow you. I'll be your disciple. And Lord, we'll give you praise. In Jesus' name. Now, I want to pray one more prayer before we go. Is that okay? Um, Someone told me this morning, uh, before, as I was coming in, they said, just up the river here, from our church, pretty close to my house, to some of your houses, uh, someone fell into the river. And uh, they've been looking for the body. They found the body. He's okay. Wow. Praise the Lord. Good news. Good news. Isn't, uh, isn't the um, smartphone something these days? You can listen to the pastor and be caught up with the news and know how to pray. So, Lord, we thank you. We were, some of us were very concerned. And they found this man, and, and he's good. So praise you, Lord. It would have been a terrible moment for family and friends and loved ones and our community. Thank you for our first responders and those who put their lives on the line every day in situations like this and more. Thank you, God. We have so much to be thankful for. Now, would you stand for a blessing? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. Turn his face toward you and grant you peace. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Happy New Year. I want to thank you for joining today's sermon podcast. You can find a copy of today's sermon as well as other sermons and the sermon outline from today on our church's website, www.mvcnaz.org. It is my prayer also that you will seek out a church home that recognizes the authority of the Bible.